ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the You Mad Bro podcast, and I warn you of mature content ahead. This show aims to tackle controversial topics going on in the world on a week-to-week basis. The platform of this program is opinionated and occasionally supported by examples and facts, but does not ever aim to be definite. That being said, the views offered by our hosts and guests are not intended to offend or hurt the feelings of any person, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, political viewpoint, etc., They only serve as catalysts for poor attempts at humor and maybe a different way of thinking. If you're such an individual that is easily offended or cannot handle your own viewpoints being challenged, you've been adequately warned to not participate. If you're still with us, then please stand, kneel, or lay down. Just be sure to remove your ball caps for the national anthem. What? You mad, bro? Settled down. This is a big week that we are discussing. We are going to discuss the possible impending impeachment. Especially not five times fast of President Donald Trump. Before we get to there, ladies and gentlemen, this is the You Mad Bro podcast on the Ambiguous Network on ambiguousproduction.com. Go there to find all the glorious podcasts. Of course, You Mad Bro GDP with new content coming soon, and the Sam Purcell podcast with new content almost every single day of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Almost every single day, you get your movie news, reviews, and clues from the one and only Sam Purcell, our new intern, Nash. He's, he's, a, step, he's a step above you. He's what? He's a step above you. And as an intern? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Nash, what if he blows you and you get impeached? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how I'd want to go out. <laughs> of course, you'd find if you got mad and offended that joke, you can tweet us at uh, Real Ambiguous and you mad bro pod on Instagram, Facebook, and all the works. Uh, hashtag Nashtag is coming back with the history of Ukraine and the idea and how impeachment works. We're going to get to all of that. But Nash, before we get into that, we have to talk about this one man named Carson King. God, and absolutely absurd. Now, there was a few things I want to talk about this week, but this whole, this all week, there's one thing after another, Trump, Trump, Pelosi, impeachment, impeachment. So I was just like, wow, Nash, it's going to be another week where we do a full show. Last yeah. time we did that, the crowd boys got angry. So let's bring them on, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> this, this, this one topic show might be the beginning or the end of us. I love that. I love making people with anger management angry. It's not necessarily hard, but it's enjoyable. <laughs> All right, but it is it is time for me to go on a rant before we go to hashtag hashtag. So Carson King, um, so he was the, he's the man who raised over one million dollars for an Iowa children's hospital after displaying his Venmo on ESPN's College Game Day. Nash, did you see the sign? It was essentially um, yeah. like we need more bush light or something, and here's my yeah, Venmo. Yeah, my bush my bush light uh, reserves are getting low or something like that. Yeah, so of course, internet loves nothing. The only thing, nothing. The only thing the internet hates more than Trump is being is things that people that things. Never mind. The internet loves stupid things. All right, <laughs> that's essentially the point I was trying to make. So people were Venmoing him a bunch of money, like way more money than he actually anticipated, and then he actually more anticipated was more than a dollar. So he came out and he tweeted uh, Bush and Venmo saying, "Hey, I'm going to donate all this money to children's hospitals." Um, 
you know, for sick kids. So Bush and Venmo both came out and said, Without how much money you make, we're going to match it. Each of us are going to match it. He decided to keep his Venmo up through the end of September, I think, uh, I believe, or maybe into early October. So this guy was praised. Bush gave him his face on a can. It was a King Carson Bush light or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've never come so close to buying Bush light, I got to tell you. Already printed. <laughs> Already printed. Um, now. Here's what happens, because of course it did. The Des Moines Register published a profile piece Tuesday on Carson King, the man who raised over a million dollars for Iowa's Children's Hospital. That was reported two racist tweets King made back in 2012 when he was 16 years old. And my, oh my, how the internet sort of turned on this guy, calling him racist, calling him despicable. He went on news saying how he was ashamed of himself and all this bullshit and yada, yada, yada. Bush said they are no longer being affiliated with him. Venmo said we're no longer be affiliated with him. We're still going to match the request. But other than that, we want nothing to do with him. It goes against our guidelines, community standards, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. To which I have to say, this isn't news. <laughs> Nash, Nash, this isn't news. This guy weighs over a million dollars for sick kids. <laughs> Burn him at the stake, honestly. <laughs> and you're going to call him racist. You're going to get mad over two tweets from 2012 when he was 16. He raised over a million dollars for sick kids. Off a joke. If anything, this guy should be praised. This guy should be a hero. This guy should be in Bud Light cans. Fuck Bush Light. (laughs) 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 All right? Like, this guy, this guy is an amazing human being. This guy is a better man than I will ever be. If I raised all that money, would I give it to sick kids? I like to think I would. But to be honest, I'm I'm starting to make actual money now, but I really like it. So maybe I wouldn't. Maybe half. Money money is nice. (laughs) <laughs> but this guy does not deserve to be called racist by anybody not one goddamn person and if you are calling him racist and if you truly believe this guy is a racist then this guy is better than you this fucking racist is better than you and if a racist raised more than a million dollars for sick kids what the fuck does that say about you yeah right what do you what, what line are we drawing here <laughs> that's like that's ridiculous he's straight up giving away all this money to sick kids to sick kids what, what I don't what's a more worthy cause than that <sighs> also kind of shame on uh say on Carson for just taking this beating if I was him I would come on national TV and just did what I just did Sick kids! I'm yeah. giving the money to sick kids! <laughs> You're gonna bitch me about something that when I was 16? What did you do when you were 16? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Learned I your mean, balls had hair? <laughs> <laughs> right, and I think, what was it? He was like, quoting like, Tosh.0 or something? Yeah, it was like a Tosh.0 skibbit. Now, I don't really care what the tweet was. Apparently the tweet was like comparing... Um, like like gorillas to black women or something stupid, something absolutely ridiculous. But that's something something Tosh would do. He said he was he was quoting something from Tosh Point which of course context means everything. But if in this case, I don't give a fuck what the context was. He could have been he could have called Ben Carson the N word. I don't care. He raised a million <laughs> dollars for six kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just. Oh man, that's so much judgment. And then the reporter that uh 
that that exposed that exposed this this ne'er do well. Uh, the same thing happened to him. People went through his tweets. <laughs> he got he got busted for being homophobic. Deleted him and then made his account private. Like what? What? Just That's poetic the, justice. Just proving the utter madness to all of this. Like you're not safe from yourself. so that was my monday yeah oh my god so um this hashtag team with carson um has been trending because people think it is fucking ridiculous a lot more people are on his side than they aren't um i actually haven't seen that much pushback um calling this guy racist because i think people are logical for the most part and do have a heart saying this guy is not a racist this guy is an amazing um generous kind human being um, and thank you, Carson King. And we hashtag stand with Carson. <laughs> <laughs> so, so powerful. <laughs> so powerful. Us, our scenario, 100 followers praise you. I think we have 100, maybe total. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's, 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 that's it. I want to start off the show with that um, on a bit of a, this is where the laughing stops or starts, depending who you ask. So, Nash, yeah. we're going to get into this whole whistleblower complaint, the transcript, the phone call, the impeachment proceedings. But first, we need some context behind the story. Like I just said last week in a history class, you learned some context before the story. So this yeah. all started with Ukraine. So, Nash, our hashtag Nash tag this week is all about the Ukraine and how the world treats Ukraine. So, Nash, the floor is yours. Okay. Um... So let's understand what the Ukraine is. Um, Ukraine roughly translates. It's a pretty old word. I think Russian. The thing is, okay, the Ukraine roughly translates to border country. That's what it means. It's between other places. Its entire history has literally been a battle of different nations and nomadic tribes, like taking over that one location so they can have easier access from east to west in the world. Their history is incredibly debatable because of the literally nonstop switch of power. But uh, pretty much the rise of the Soviet Union, you start to see it becomes pretty centralized around Russia. Russia was always involved in that history anyway. And so Russia at that time had the military might to just sort of take it over. And they maintained a pretty strict dominance, as they were known to do. The Iron Curtain, you know, wasn't just a joke. So... Ukraine is an incredibly young nation. It became independent in 1991, on paper, at least. Because the thing is, it's still pretty culturally divided, as one would imagine with a history like that. But right now, it's pretty much divided between Russian and non-Russian. It's still got those ties, but, you know, it's kind of up in the air. In more recent years, it's become a bit more non-Russian, um just because of how they've been treated by Russia in the past. And so let's uh, take a look at at what Russia has, uh, how they've treated the good old Ukraine. So uh, in 1932, old brother Stalin got a whiff that uh, the Ukraine wanted to become more independent. So this is before World War II. And so, you know, with the rise of the Reds and them wanting to maintain dominance over them, they uh, <clears throat> he used an interesting tactic. It's a, it's a pretty bold one. So what was that tactic? Glad you asked. I'm, I'm so interested. I'm so interested. <laughs> Starvation. I didn't know Ukraine. Oh, for fuck's sake. 
Yeah, it's become one of the largest acts of genocide in human history, labeled as the Holodomar, where Holocaust means death by fire, Holodomar means death by famine. So what did he do? Well, Stalin essentially began to steal the entire the country's entire stores of grain and food. And in a single year from 1932 to 1933, killed anywhere from 3.3 million people directly to 7.7 .7 million people in the total of the effects of having no food in a country. How do um, I not know this? How did I never learn this? Well, How because do, I think I think that's news to a lot of people, everyone listening, including Chief. Well, it's because it's the Ukraine's whole history is entirely debatable because there's never been certain ground in that country. It's always been fought over. It's always been conquered. And I think if you talk to any historian that studies it, that they're, they're going to give you the same thing is, you know, this is what I know, but. How accurate is this? I don't know, because it's all it's always written in a victory that lasted for like under 40 years. Right. So <clears throat> victors tend to write history and make themselves look better. But it's even harder when they change every few decades. So during that time period, that one year time period, it was illegal to store food. They didn't have the freedom of movement. And using the word famine was actually outlawed in the Soviet Union in reference to the Ukraine and in the Ukraine as well. Uh, they forced scholars to change statistics and numbers and reportings so that it seemed more like a natural phenomenon that the Soviet Union tried to protect against rather than them just taking all the food, which makes this history even harder to uh, sort of understand, sort of to clarify. That's why the range of people that died is so ridiculous. You'll find numbers that are as low as one million. You'll find numbers that are as high as 12 million. I think the UN settled around 7 million in the end. But rather than try to, you know, help distribute food or just not take it in general, the Soviet Union decided it would be better to create posters that would just discourage cannibalism. So that was their response to that issue. So, um, yeah, they weren't allowed to leave the country either. That's why they died. They didn't have they didn't have freedom of movement. They couldn't they couldn't go where they wanted to. So cities especially were hit the hardest because you have no possible chance of growing food there. And uh, after that, I probably wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, part of Russia anymore. That's, that's my understanding of that. But uh, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah. What happened in the years following that? Uh, well, this thing called uh, the Chernobyl meltdown happened brought on by the force of the hand from the Soviet Union. Nuclear power is a great thing and all until you just can't do it right. And then you force I them an to. Emmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People should go watch that. But, Fucking incredible. Yeah. But. Uh, so I don't like Russia. They seem to abuse power however they want. At least their government does pretty much all throughout history. Um, and if you want to say one thing about Trump, it's just. It's straight up he's done the most to support the Ukraine in their fight for independence than probably anyone else has. Um, that's why, honestly, that like, that whole Russian interference thing like never really sat well with me accurately just because he has literally been arming the Ukraine with weapons to fight Russian invasions. Literally the biggest enemy of Russia 
we have been giving weapons and arms to. So it didn't really make sense that he would be aligned with Russia. Now, why isn't that more mainstream? Because y'all think and you'll never hear CNN or MSNBC covering that. And I don't think even Fox will cover that. Because I don't the know. Ukra- I've, I, I, this, this is kind of the first I'm hearing of that as well. The Ukraine is a tricky issue. It's you don't really know because this country is still sort of divided in itself. Like most of the people mm. want to be an independent country, but so many of them still have those Russian ties. In twenty in twenty fourteen, I think that's when the actual fighting began <clears throat> between Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, uh, Putin straight up released criminals. He armed criminals to invade the Ukraine. They weren't they weren't fighting the Russian military. They were fighting Russian prisoners that got liberated and went and were told to go take over the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Is, is that not just maddening to you? Well, that's that sounds pretty fucking crazy to me. Sure. Uh, but it's not it's totally believable. Nash, how do you know all this? We're all the we're all your sources. I'm asking for the Proud Boys. We're all your sources <laughs> for the Proud Boys. <clears throat> well, the Holodomor, that's I mean, that's a UN that's, number. That, that, that's history. Yes. But like all recent history, like. Um, cause I don't, I've never heard, that's, really heard this. That's, Trump, that's Trump has really well docu- been arming, That's pretty supporting. well documented in, uh, major news. I would say I probably first heard about in the 2014 occurrence, probably from vice, but it's, it's been documented yep. by other major yeah, news no, companies. I, I've, I've, the only thing I know about the Ukraine is that there's a few vice pieces, um, on their TV show in that their president's a stand-up comedian who played a president on TV, which I think is fucking amazing. Um, yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing why we've a big uh, something that's kind of been occurring a little bit more in the media. They've been talking about this this uh, president, the new president of the Ukraine. Uh, is it Zelensky? Like Zelensky? 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 Zelensky. Zelensky. I, I'm I'm bad with English names. I didn't even write them down because I'm not gonna be able to pronounce them. Yeah, President Zelensky. Um, he has been one of the like most recent presidents in the Ukraine that hasn't been that isn't like backing down to Russia. He's not getting bribed. He's not just accepting Russian rule. They're literally having a border war. There are shots being fired for territorial conquest mm-hmm. on, on the border of the Ukraine, which is another fun thing that was made illegal by pretty much most of the world after world war one and that dramatically reduced the amount of wars total that we have oh god nash you're making me sad yeah exactly the ukraine it, it, you don't want to cover it because it's iffy territory but when you've been literally the the boot heel of russia for all, your, almost your entire exactly your entire existence like Thank, thank goodness somebody's doing something for them. That's all I have to say. Well, that brings us to the whistleblower complaint, the phone call between Trump and the uh, the comedian president, and the possible impeachment. So I think that is a very important thing to keep in the back of your minds as we cover this, the history of the Ukraine and the kind of state they're in and what the U.S. does for them as well. So – this whistleblower, this all happened because back in July, um, Trump had a phone call with the president and some iffy statements were said about Biden, um, the U.S.'s support for, for um, Ukraine, Rudy Giuliani, William Barr as well. 
and $400 million for arms um, for the Ukraine that Trump may or may not have kind of held over their head as said, do, do it as I say, or else I'm not going to give you the money. So the whistleblower was, quote, once work on a staff of the White House National Security Council. It is still unclear who that person is specifically for obvious reasons. Um, he filed a complaint on August 9th with the Intelligence Community Inspector General, the ICIG. Um, and the ICIG is basically is exactly what it says and investigates allegations and complaints of misconduct in the intelligence community. Now, the law says that once a misconduct complaint is filed, the IGIC has 14 days to decide if the complaint is both credible and of urgent concern. And that man, I forget his name, decided that they were both. So he saw this phone call and I think the Ukraine is doing as urgent concern and is absolutely credible. Um, so the law also says that the complaint must be sent to the office of the director of national intelligence. The complaint was then received by the current acting director of national intelligence, Joe McGuire. McGuire then had seven days or until September 2nd of this year to send a full complaint to the house and Senate intelligence communities, uh, committees, excuse me, but he did not send the report. Now on August 9th, uh, a week after McGuire was supposed to send the, to Congress, um, Atkinson is the guy's name, the, the uh, IG IC, is that what I just said? The IGIC, ICIG, sorry. Uh, his name was Atkinson. He sent the letter to the House community anyway to tell me the complaint existed. So this guy, McGuire, was supposed to send a complaint by law, and he didn't do it. So McGuire is like, well, fuck it. Uh, Atkinson's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. So Nash, what do you think initially about this whole process and the fact that he just, this McGuire guy just didn't do his duty and his job? I mean, that's pretty wrong. <laughs> like, he's got to, you know, do that for without a doubt. But it's it seems it, it, it doesn't seem like they're necessarily trying to hide something. It does sound like they're trying to hide something. It doesn't to me if as transparent as they were when they got asked to do it. Well, yes, but why wouldn't he just do it on, on, on top panel? When we get to the actual complaint itself, the White House was being very shady. They were kind of kind of keep us on the hush-hush. Like, reading through the complaint and the actual transcript, to me, it doesn't sound like he did anything wrong. But the, how the White House reacted to it, it's like, okay, yeah, he did something pretty fucked up. I think he's pretty fucked. Now, you have a completely different opinion. It's so, see, yeah, to me, it, it honestly just looks like bad timing. And so they figured it'd be better to wait. I mean, that's not legal, I guess. I don't know the laws surrounding that. It doesn't seem like they should have done that in any way because this thing just would have happened earlier. So maybe they were just waiting out the clock. I don't know. It's it's bad what they did. Don't get me wrong. They definitely should have released it when they were supposed to. But it, like what you said, the transcripts or what is uh, what it was given of their phone call. It didn't, it didn't necessarily seem like, like illegal action was being done. Right. So Adam Schiff, who is a chairman of that committee, uh, sent a letter to McGuire demanding that the complaint be sent to Congress. And he's breaking the, breaking the law by not doing so. So McGuire did and his reason for not putting it forward because he didn't think it was of actual urgent concern because it included someone outside of the intelligence community. So saying that president Trump essentially is not, part of the intelligence community so it's not really he doesn't really have to do it now is the president technically part of the intelligence community i would think he would be i would think he would be as well but maybe he's saying he's not part of like he doesn't get information unless 
he either requests it or it's so important that he has to be told. Right, because I feel like he's in charge of all those committees. Like he's in charge yeah. of intelligence. Yeah. So he's like he's like their boss. So obviously they the boss doesn't know everything that's going on, only the stuff he needs to know and that's most important so he can make valid decisions. Yeah, like he he wouldn't know the information unless he asked for it. Is essentially unless unless they needed him to make a decision on something like going to war based on information they had. Okay. So the fact that he didn't report it um, it seems fishy, but his reasoning also sounds pretty credible. He's like, well, it didn't seem of a great importance to me, so I didn't really think it was credible, but since you want it, here it is. Yeah. So after much delegation after that, the transcript was eventually released to the public, so we're skipping ahead a little bit to the actual complaint. Um, so Nash, do you want to read um, these two bullet points of what was actually in the letter? It's right here on the transcript. Transcript. Notably, they say that they were not a direct witness to most of the events described, but added, I found my colleagues account of these events to be credible because in almost all cases, multiple officials recounted fact patterns that are consistent with one another. Okay, course- so the whistleblower, so I just want to stop right there. The whistleblower, um, so he was he was not part of this call. Like when the Trump makes his call, he has advisors always listening in, intelligence communities listening in. So this whistleblower complaint, he was not there firsthand. He is getting all of his information from third parties. So take that for what you will. He's getting all of his accounts from people inside the White House. Yeah. Correct? That's yeah. what I'm getting that from. So yeah. he had access to the information. Yes. So Take that with a grain of salt, I guess, for for because he wasn't directly there. But I think that's also interesting because when we go on to his former complaint, we'll get into that. So Nash, continue. In the course of my official duties, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the President of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. This interference includes, among other things, pressuring a foreign country to investigate one of the President's main domestic political rivals. The president's personal lawyer, Mr. Rudolph Giuliani, is a central figure in this effort. Attorney General Barr appears to be involved as well. Okay. So that sounds like he's inferring based off the information that's what Trump's doing. Right? Because I didn't really get much on the 2020 election from the transcript, to be honest. Like, yeah, it's 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 safe to assume that's what he's doing. But in the eyes of the law, that's not enough. Yeah, it's never <clears throat> the upcoming election is never mentioned. No, like that. The, pre- the previous elections mentioned uh, the twenty sixteen yeah. election. Um, so that brings us to the phone call. So he from the July twenty fifth phone call between Trump and the Ukrainian comedian president. So after an initial exchange of pleasantries, the president and the remainder of the call to advance his personal interests. Mm. Namely, he sought to pressure the Ukrainian leader to take actions to help the president's 2020 election bid. Again, I think that's kind of like – that's hearsay. That's an inference. That's assuming. So yeah. <clears throat> uh, to initiate or continue an investigation into the activities of former Vice President Joseph Biden – yeah, it's supposed to be a B in there – and his son, Hunter Biden, um, assistant – uncovering the allegations of Russian interference in the 2016 election. So you want him to look into the, the Russian interference 
um, because it originated in Ukraine with specific requests that Ukrainian leader locate and turn over servers by the DNC and examined by the U.S. cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike, which was what was used to hack our elections, well, which, yes. So... <sighs> What do, you think, what, do you think, what do you think of that? He wants he wanted Ukraine to investigate Russia's interference in the previous election. Yeah, that sounds about right. If it's in the Ukraine, I mean, it's an active, it's essentially a war zone. Um, they're using servers in the Ukraine, telling the Ukraine to investigate their own country. Sounds about right when it's been literally riddled with corruption. That that kind of just makes sense to tell the one person that is sort of proving that he isn't corrupt to look into sort of the bad things that are that are affecting other nations, specifically his nation. Right. So on face value, it doesn't sound like collusion at all. It's just like, hey, it, it, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like somebody with yeah, it sounds like a what a president would say to another country that's being used to affect his country. <laughs> hey, look, look into that. So it doesn't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's Trump, Mia's like, oh, he wants him to do it again. Do it again. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> Help me out here. Throw, throw me a freaking bone here. Uh, but um, all right, Nash, next bullet point. Based on my understanding. Go ahead. Based on my understanding, there were approximately a dozen White House officials who listened to the call. The officials I spoke with told me that participation in the call had not been restricted in advance because everyone expected it would be a routine call with a foreign leader. I do not know whether anyone was physically present with the president during the call. So, like we said, House White House officials were listed on listening on the call. So Trump even said in a tweet, "Do you think I'm dumb enough to do something illegal when I know everyone's listening?" To which I go, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, I do." <laughs> okay, so now we get to the actual phone call itself. So that that is what the whistleblower got from the phone call. So now we're going to, to do the memorandum of the phone call. So what a memorandum, it's not the actual transcript of the full phone call. We don't have the full phone call. I guess that's still classified or they don't actually have it. So this is a rough transcript, which according to White House is, quote, based on notes and recollections by, pol- by a policy staff assigned to listen and memorialize the conversation. So Trump pretty much starts off saying how, how the U.S. has been very good to Ukraine. I will say that we do a lot for Ukraine. We spend a lot of effort, a lot of time, much more time than European countries are doing. We should be helping you more than they are. Germany does almost nothing for you. All I do is talk. I think it's something you should really ask them about. When I was speaking to Angela Merkel, she t- she talks Ukraine, but she doesn't do anything. A lot of Europe, I'm not going to do a Trump voice anymore. It's too much. A lot, of, a lot of European countries are the same way, so I think it's something you want to look at. But the United States has always been very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say it's been reciprocal necessarily, but things are happening there are not good, but the United States has always been very, very good to Ukraine. Now, when Trump speaks, on, like, I mean, it's just written out, it literally sounds like intelligible nonsense, yeah. but when you hear him say it, like, it makes sense. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense at all? Like, No, it sounds on, exactly like something he'd say. Yeah. Like, on paper, you're just like, I'm so confused. When you hear him say it, it's like, I know, I understood everything you just said. So, um... <laughs> What do you think, Nash? Have other European countries kind of ignored Ukraine? Is Trump is Trump onto something there? Yeah, because nobody wants to get involved with Russia. Nobody wants nobody wants to have Russia breathing down their neck. Especially especially when they're right next to them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're really strong and scary. It's kind of like when that uh, 
God, what were those guys? I forget their name. They uh, they took over Poland and then all the people that said they were going to help them like didn't. And then. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Nash, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. I know, yeah. I know. I'm Polish. I know. Yeah. What is it? Uh, it's white supremacist, right? <laughs> God, yeah. No, no, no. It's Nazis. It's Nazis. I knew it's Nazis. It's always the Nazis. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, sounds, so, sounds familiar. I guess, you know, you don't want to risk uh, a full out war. It's a fair defense. I don't want a full out war. I don't think. I don't, yeah, really we don't need. We don't, we don't need. The last thing the world needs is another world war in Germany and you, Europe. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say Germany. I meant to say Europe. Yeah. <laughs> So Trump goes on to say, I'd like you to find out what happened with this whole situation in Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have the, you have one of your wealthy people, the server, they say Ukraine has it. Um, here, are, There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some, some of the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people, and I would like them to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, the whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a name man named Robert Mueller, Mueller uh, an incompetent performance, but they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. So that's, of course, referring to the Mueller report, which we've covered in the archives at UMADBROPOD, um, <laughs> biggestproduction.com. So this, is, this, is, this just phone call happened right when the Mueller report was released. Again, um, he's asking Ukraine to look into hacking of our elections. Yeah, which happened there. So whatever you can do, it's very important that you, that you do if it's possible. So Ukraine president says, for me as a president, it is very important that we are open for, for future cooperation. We are ready to open a new page in cooperation and relations between the U.S. and Ukraine. For that purpose, I just recalled our ambassador from the United States, and he will be replaced by a very competent and very experienced ambassador who will work hard on making sure that the two nations are getting closer. So... He says pretty much, yeah, Trump, I got you. New guy who you like coming your way. Yeah. Um, I will personally tell you that one of my assistants spoke with Mr. Giuliani just recently. We are hoping very much that Giuliani might be able to travel to Ukraine and he will meet with a uh, meet with one of us once he comes to Ukraine. I just want to assure you that once again, that you have nobody but friends around us. I will make sure that I surround myself with the best and most experienced people. I also want to tell you that we are friends. We are great friends. You, you, Mr. President, have friends in our country so we can continue our strategic partnership. I also plan to surround myself with great people in addition to that investigation. I guarantee as a president of Ukraine that all investigations will be done openly and candidly. That I can assure you. So why is this bad? <sighs> I, I I don't I don't know. <laughs> like 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 reading through this, this it seems reads, like a good thing. It reads like he's doing his job. Yeah, it reads like he's like good good Trump good boy. Make now granted people. It is all it all goes back to 2016 in Russia because people genuinely think and believe that he accepted help from foreign nations to win the election. Now is that true? Maybe it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. But, but. but you but you don't know. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Which is very hard to do. I know. I know. I don't. Or, I get it. Rather, I, I want let's I not, want him to be impeached too, okay? I want him out of fucking office too. But it's looking he's breaking the law here. Let's <laughs> let's not accuse people without uh evidence. 
But I understand. I understand the the need and the desire, um, and the assumption that he's doing something wrong. He's maybe he is asking for interference in the in the upcoming election. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't either. He, I don't know because he doesn't explicitly say that. <laughs> so let's go on to Biden. There's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you look into it, it sounds horrible to me. <laughs> okay, the president that's, of Ukraine that's Trump does- talking to Zelensky. Zelensky, yep. And now yeah. Zelensky never responds to that. He goes on about other things that Trump says, but he never mentions Biden, never mentions the investigation. So this whole thing about Biden's son, the prosecution, Nash, do you know anything about that? Because I don't know a goddamn thing about that. No, I I really don't. I assume he put political pressure because of the ambassador. I think it was the ambassador he didn't like or something. I, I don't really know. Because the fact that he mentioned it and Zelensky just didn't really say anything about it um, was fishy to me, I guess. So I don't know what Trump's really going for there. But again, this because he wants to investigate Biden's son. Maybe Biden did some shady shit there. I don't know. Well, Biden's son works for an oil company, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. So I, I guess the connection would be that somehow that would affect okay the market so the, the final the final thing in this phone call is the idea of a quid pro quo which of course in latin means this for that um you scratch my back and i'll scratch yours <laughs> <laughs> god, so <good> god. <laughs> just a week before their talk trump ordered a hold on almost 400 million dollars in military aid to ukraine he did not bring up the aid during the conversation however he did insist that the u.s was a strong ally to Zelensky's country and though a favor might not be reciprocal um i think that's a stretch because yeah timing is a little weird that he did withhold almost $400 million military aid before this phone call. So yeah, he is, he could theoretically be holding that over their head, but again, it wasn't in the phone call. This is a Washington Post writer, Aaron Blake, explained it in context with a metaphor, so you know it's credible. He says, quote, it's difficult to see how Zelensky could interpret that set of circumstances as something other than a strong suggestion and even a, va- a veiled threat. It's equivalent to your boss repeatedly suggesting you do something while nothing with your... Without, with, while nothing, what your compens, oh, noting, you read it, go ahead. Well, (laughs) it's equivalent to your boss repeatedly suggesting you do something while noting what your compensation is without explicitly making a demand. What are you going to do? Believe it or just believe it to just be a gentle suggestion? No, you're going to think there could be some relation between your pocketbook slash job status and your future actions. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that's wrong, but I would also point out that he mentions how other European nations aren't doing your part. So maybe he would want other European nations to be involved before he sort of put that money somewhere. Right. So that money yeah, could, that, uh, could be assigned it, to other European countries saying, hey, I'm pulling out. It's time you guys step in until I pull in again. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what he's that's kind of been Trump's whole thing. How trying the to get the rest of Europe to help Ukraine. Which we do. 
I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we do a lot of things incorrectly for the world that we shouldn't be involved in at all. But but that's that's the conversation I, for another that, day. It's a, it, it, making assumptions about this is so next to impossible. Yeah. So Nash, that is that is that is a transcript. That is the phone call. Initially, what are you thinking? I, I, it seems like pretty, pretty standard. I don't know. It seems like what I would expect from two presidents to talk about an issue in both their countries. All right. This, this, this like, is a game. This, this. Understand this comes from, I've read like the Nixon transcript of like what, what, what he was doing with or surrounding Watergate, Vietnam and Cambodia. I've, I've read <clears throat> most of that transcript on that on those topics and if you want to compare the two they're so entirely different how how so i'm not i'm not going to ask you to quote it but kind of paraphrase it well first off nixon is literally saying illegal actions to be done he's literally giving instructions to do illegal things he's such as he's being incredibly racist he's being incredibly homophobic he he doesn't care. He's being him unabashedly, even though he was the one recording himself. Like if you compare these two transcripts, this makes Trump look. He's Nixon was also being incredibly anti-Semitic. If you compare these two, it makes Trump look like a, a saint. Honestly, jeez, Nash. Let's not get let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, it's it's ridiculous the language that Nixon uses. It's beyond absurd. All right. He, he's now, saying he, he's saying he can't trust Jews. He's literally asking if he can nuke Vietnam. Like, let's let's play a game. This is what, <laughs> this is what Bill Maher likes to do this on his show. So this is not my original idea. I'm giving credit to my my good friend Bill Maher. We were, we were on the phone. He gave me permission. Um, on the horn. What if what if Obama did it? What do you mean? Like like what, what, if, what, what if, if, if if this transcript and all this came if this if this happened to Obama and this transcript and the call came out, what would the public reaction be? Probably that it looks like he's doing his job. <sighs> Great. Love it. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I'm just, I would it be, it would probably, I mean the public, uh, that's how I would interpret it. Cause that's just straight up what it looks like to me. But I imagine it would just be the same thing, but flipped Democrats would say it's nothing. The Republicans would say it's a crime. Hypocrisy. I love it. So Giuliani had a tweet. Um, crazy, crazy Rudy. Uh, a president <laughs> telling a president elect of a well-known corrupt country he better investigate corruption that affects U.S. is doing his job. Maybe if Obama did that, the Biden family wouldn't have wouldn't have biked millions from Ukraine and billions from China being covered up by a corrupt media. So, yeah, Rudy's on the side of uh, Trump here, clearly. 
Uh, Trump says, another fake news story out there. It never ends. Virtually any time I speak on the phone with a foreign leader, I understand that there may be many people listening about various U.S. agencies, not to mention those from the other countries itself. No problem. Knowing all of this, is anybody dumb enough to believe that I would say something inappropriate with a foreign leader while in such a potentially heavy populated call? I would only do what is right anyway and only do good for the USA! Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> as bombastic as ever yep so we have now we have the aftermath of the call so I I am on your side with this one that this doesn't really seem like anything crazy this doesn't seem like anything out of left field it seems like pretty standard basic phone call like it's like hey mom I'm out of money can you put some money in my account so I can eat yeah well sure here's a hundred dollars go eat Click, corruption, collusion, using that money for drugs, using the money for drugs. I knew it. Like, whoa, like slow down here. But how the White House reacted and before and after, it's very fishy. This seems like maybe a bigger deal than I can really understand. Maybe I don't understand the politics or the, the, the situation of what he can and can't do. So in the days following the phone call, this is from the, this is from the, um, this is from the, uh, the complaint. So Nash, take it from there. In the days following the phone call. In the days following the phone call, I learned from multiple U.S. officials that senior White House officials had been intervened to lock down all records of the phone call, especially the official word-for-word transcript of that call that was produced as in customary by the White House Situation Room. This set of actions underscored to me that White House officials understood the gravity of what had been transpired in the call, of what had transpired in the call. All right, so essentially... um they had to get all records of the phone call. The White House was like, all right, we got to get all those records. But that's, that's, that's customary. That's just by the book what they're supposed to do. But White House officials understood the gravity of what had transpired in the call. So to the White House, this seemed like a bad move. Like it seemed like, okay, this is some pretty serious shit. So that is where it's just like, all right, they know something. Right. So maybe they have a better to the public eye. We don't know Trump's true motives behind his phone call, what he actually meant, but they might. Yeah. Right. That's so fair. Yeah, that's a fair so point to make. They're going to whistleblowing saying, hey, we're telling you what his intentions are because we work with the motherfucker. This is bad. Fair. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair to assume that's what their reasoning is, and that's pretty much how they state it. Yeah. So could that be enough for impeachment? No. Well, anything could be enough for impeachment, but okay. Let's let's continue. It, next next bullet point. Is, that, is it blatantly illegal now? Okay. Next bullet point, Nash. White House officials told me that they were directed by White House lawyers to remove the electronic transcript from the computer system in which such transcripts are typically stored for coordination, finalization, and distribution to cabinet-level officials. Instead, the transcript was loaded into a separate electronic system that is otherwise used to store and handle classified information on an especially sensitive nature. One White House official described this act as an abuse of his electronic system because the call did not contain anything remotely sensitive from a national security perspective. Okay, so what does that mean? Uh, Pretty much that the call doesn't jeopardize anything there's no information that puts the u.s or the ukraine at risk well no not the ukraine there's no information that puts the u.s at risk so 
it sounds like the White House is kind of being two-faced. Like half the White House is saying this is bad, and you have to saying, ah, this is nothing. Yeah, it's yeah, people who are people who had access to it who read it said it's not anything, and other people are saying we've got orders to lock it down. And in August 2nd, Giuliani would probably travel to Madrid to see to meet with one of President Zelensky's advisors. Uh, the U.S. officials characterized this meeting, which was not, republic- not reported publicly at the time, as a direct follow-up to the president's call with Mrs. Zelensky about the cases I had discussed. So Giuliani then went and met with the, with the, foreign, with the foreign powers. Um, yeah. So it sounds like the White House is even split on this call, which really doesn't help anything. Yeah, well... Now, now could... Yeah, yeah. The White House is the White House advisors. I'm assuming they're all Republicans. Yeah, one would assume. So that's very weird to me how they're all split. Well, um, I mean, uh, how I'm interpreting it is they're given the order to lock it down because there is a breach. And because of the sensitive information, but people that some people that had read it didn't think that the information was that sensitive. Okay. So after all this became public, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is directing the House of Representatives to start a former impeachment inquiry into allegations that President Trump pressured the Ukrainian president to investigate the presidential candidate Joe Biden. In a former announcement, Pelosi said, quote, the actions taken to date by the president have severely violated the Constitution. She also added that Trump's actions revealed, quote, betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of national security, betrayal of the integrity of our elections. So she is explicitly saying impeach the president based on Joe Biden. Yeah. And just for reference, this is the sixth or seventh impeachment committee formed on President Trump. Good God. Yeah. That has that has to be a record. All right. More presidents have been less presidents have been killed, murdered than times this guy was trying to get impeached. So um, now we're going to talk about impeachment. So, Nash, give us uh, it's a hashtag hashtag part two. I'm so excited about impeachment. The steps what happens and how fucking confusing it is. Okay. Uh, so it's pretty much divided between um, the House and the Senate. So the House that is sort of determined by population from districts in each state, it's an uneven conglomeration of representatives. New York and California are going to have more people than Iowa and Dakota or North Dakota, whatever they are. Uh, so right now that has a Democratic majority. Nancy Pelosi is the speaker, so she's in charge of it. Uh, and uh, so it's pretty much typically led by whatever the party leader is, which is Democrat, which is Nancy Pelosi from Democrats. So does does the House choose its own leader and the Senate choose its own leader, et cetera? Yeah. OK. Uh, sort of. The Senate, the president of the Senate is the vice president, but usually it's led by the majority leader, which is Mitch McConnell. Okay. So the first step for an impeachment process is to create a subcommittee. Like I mentioned earlier, this is either the sixth or the seventh impeachment subcommittee created for President Donald Trump. So they hold investigations on the delegate they suspect of abusing their power or being involved in illegal activities. If a majority of the House approves the impeachment presented to them, then that officer is impeached. What that means is that the president is indicted. 
Doesn't mean he's removed from office. That's kind of important. Very he, important. He still, he still has his power until the Senate decides to impeach him. Now, the Senate holds a uh, trial after the House majority approves the articles of impeachment. The Senate is not based off population, uh, but rather each state has two representatives chosen, so there's a hundred of them. Um, at the moment, the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. Mike Pence, vice president, serves as the president of the Senate, and Mitch McConnell is the elected majority leader. Um, so if the articles of impeachment are presented to, to uh, Mitch McConnell, um, he's most likely the one who decides if the Senate would meet to impeach him to actually have the trial. Technically, he could just refuse it on his own. He's in charge of organizing the trials, and there aren't necessarily standards on that. And so... You know, it's really sort of up to him, kind of. It's a tricky area because there's no real set thing as to what this actually is, what the actual steps are. Um, so essentially all the senators would serve um, as the jury for this. And since the Republicans hold the majority, they could straight up just dismiss it without even having... Um, a trial. They could just vote to not accept any evidence at all and just end it. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much what happens. And after the Senate would approves, they uh, decide what he's guilty on, whether he should be fined, imprisoned, so on and so forth. So in a, in a system that's not broken, like ours is, this seems like a very good system. Yeah. It seems very difficult to actually do it but the steps in place seem very logical and fair for both ends like it, it makes congress balanced it gives power to both sides house and senate equally yeah but that's not the world we live in no the world we live in is in a divisive republican versus democrat fist like head banging consistently so you need like without a shadow of a doubt, a hundred ten percent. Yes, he broke the law to get the Senate to impeach him because the House is going to pass this bill. No, like going to House is going to pass to in, uh, indict him. No problem. Well, Abs actually, see that's that may not be the case. See, I mean, how much were we debating about how illegal that is? Like, you, you just because they're of the same political party doesn't mean they're of the same mind and how illegal that activity actually is like moderate Democrats right now could find him innocent. It, it's really like tricky water. You can't be too certain of uh, any sort of decision. Right. But people in our government puts party over country all the time. Yeah, they do. World. They do, but it doesn't mean that they have to. I mean, that was the big thing. Um, for Nixon, it's it's like you can have all the Democrats except in a few Republicans, but you're going to need to convince – you're not just need to convince them. You're going to need to convince all of the American people that this was clearly illegal mm -hmm. because what happens if you don't? You have a bunch of people that think that you've abused your own power just to get this guy that they voted for out of office. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, the irony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the irony. God damn. It's like, it's going to be like, oh my God, that puts it into perspective so hard. It's just yeah. like, you are literally only doing this because you were saying you don't want him there, but fuck you. This is what we want. Yeah. Oh my God. That is, that is too ridiculous. It's yeah, it's not just like a by the law thing. And first off, the conduct of it isn't even like that well written. So like how it's supposed to meet Mitch McConnell could essentially decide whatever he wanted. Like, right. It's so up in the air, especially if he doesn't want to do it. You think he's going to make it go well? No, exactly. And so even if even if they had a majority, it still wouldn't be that simple because there always there are always going to be moderate people that would rather keep the status quo just so everything is peaceful. Mm-hmm. So in in this case in particular, um, I don't think public opinion matters at all. I mean, it it does matter for the reason you just said. But this is not a clear cut black and black and white breaking the law. Is he not breaking the law? Because yeah. we don't know the public, like uh, the media. We don't know. The only thing you can do is speculate, which they've already been doing because we're not in the White House. We don't know his true motives. We do not work exactly. with the guy. The most important people to talk to that the Senate committees need to talk to is everyone in the White House. Anyone who could be possibly on that call involved with it, they need to talk with them. Be like, you know this guy better than anyone. What are his intentions? It's not even it's not even that. You need it to be so clear cut. And by all means, the intentions help to establish, you know, what his goal was. But um in Nixon, when on the first day of his impeachment inquiry, um one of the uh, congressmen like said, when you're given like a tr- like a parking ticket, you're given the date and and the offense. If you can't specify that for an impeachment, it doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have critical evidence that isn't wishy washy, that is clear cut. And like right now, I just I I don't see it, which I wouldn't expect to because the committee hasn't come back with new evidence. Right. They're really, they're really at square one. But the fact that Pelosi Pelosi's smart, she's politically smart. She's she's overall smart. Like she knows that the risks of impeachment, the fact that she is going through with it. Makes me think this is a lot more serious than it actually than it actually could be. Because from my perspective, it doesn't seem that serious at all. You know, doing the yeah. research, now going into it, I was like, oh, okay, he's fucked. This guy is done. He's screwed. I started doing my own research. And I was like, well, maybe not. Then after doing a show, I'm like, yeah, no, maybe Nash, you convinced me again. Fuck you, by the way. <laughs> but my gut is telling me that Pelosi and the Democrats, certain Democrats, wouldn't push this so hard if they didn't know for a fact or they didn't believe it for a fact. Because well, it is a very risky thing. Because what happened with, with the, the, the quit? The I'm almost said the quit pro quo. The negate the the the, the cause effect here is that if it fails, his approval rating is going to be the highest they've ever been. Oh yeah, and he's going to win. He's going to win without a doubt. It's a 
it it's when all right when I'm I'm fairly certain when the statement was na- made about Nixon for his impeachment, it was because they said he's believing to have misled the American public on his involvement in the Watergate scandal. What does Pelosi say about this? It's his betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, betrayal of his integrity of our elections. That that That's the most vague accusation I've ever heard. I don't think they even know what they're looking for. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you do? Exactly. Uh, what do you like? Uh, why are you? They didn't give a very good reason to have this committee. Because they well, they think he's in if he's trying to interfere in the next election with Biden. That's the main thing. Because that's illegal as shit. They think he's asking. So I think that's what's going to try and investigate. Is so he asked for a favor to look into the 2016 election as well as Biden. That's the most important thing here. And then the quid pro quo is just a stretch. But that's what they're looking at. And that's pretty that's some serious shit there. That's probably the most serious thing. Because if he does that, and he has said, all right, in public, I would take interference from a foreign leader to get me reelected. He has said that multiple times. So it's definitely worth investigating, for sure. And you need to talk to those people in the White House who work with him. What is he doing? And I think that kind of um, testimony can go a long way. Cut and dry, did he do it? Did he not do it? Maybe not. But I think in certain situations, it's okay to say two and two equals four. And just, oh, you have, you have two plus X equals four. What's X? You know? Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't need it written on a piece of paper, too. You can yeah. kind of just put it together. Well, the way I understand the impeachment, it, it, it doesn't work like that. You need it. I don't think he'll get impeached unless you have firsthand evidence of him saying or doing something illegal. Hmm. I mean, that was the thing with Bill Clinton. It wasn't clear cut until he lied under oath. Yeah, that was what it was. He just he lied about a blowjob. That's why he got he didn't get impeached for a blowjob. He got impeached because he lied about it under oath. Exactly. And you he have, broke the law. Because you the evidence has to be so obvious that any rational thinking person could not be able to refute it because it's right there staring you in the face. See, but some people think this phone call is enough. Some people think it is, without a shadow of a doubt, clear cut. And well, I, well, and they're, I, not, they're not rational people. Like, sorry to break it to you, but he, he doesn't explicitly say anything illegal. Yeah, so I'm saying yes and no. Because, like, yeah, you're not wrong, but it's kind of like, come on, we all know what he's doing here. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're going to make an assumption, that's going to make an ass of you and me. That's true. That's true. Well, we will see what happens, Nash. That is the whole situation. Um, I don't think he's going to get impeached either, but let's let's say the, the House indicts and the Senate doesn't. The Senate does not impeach. What happens? He stays in office, keeps all of his power. Yeah. Essentially, it's like it never happens. Yeah, pretty much. And, and he can run again. And I don't even. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, that was my next thing. I don't even know if he would be impeded from running again. I don't. I don't know if that's written anywhere. Because when it happened with Clinton, Clinton didn't get didn't get convicted. He just got indicted. Yeah. 
And but that was his second term; he couldn't run again. Yeah. So, what happens? We don't know. It's not written down. That's kind of the whole thing about this impeachment <laughs> thing: is that a lot of it isn't written down. Kind of playing it by ear. So maybe that's their ploy. Maybe they're trying to get him so he can't run again. Oh yeah, no, I definitely think this has to do with Biden can't beat him in an election. I don't think anyone can beat him in an election, to be honest. I think the Democrats are so out of left field. Bernie Sanders came out and said there should be no billionaires. No one should be a billionaire. All the all the money should go to the working people. I'm like, Bernie, you realize you have to work to make a billion dollars? Yeah, take that from the guy that was lying about or stealing funds for his college or something to prove his point. I really wish the Democrats weren't bad at politics, but they are. They're terrible. They're so bad at politics. You know, there was was a quote quote from Malcolm X that I heard yesterday. It was, um, if you control the media, you control the mind of the masses. And... The media is so Democrat, they control the mind of the masses. Unfortunately, it's just so insane and illogical. I think most people now are just getting fed up with it. And this is the thing. When somebody, when your beliefs are challenged, you're more likely to double down, Mm -hmm. even if you know it's incorrect. And that goes back to the Carson King thing. Like, the mind of the masses, everyone's racist, people are sick of it, you know, um, yeah. the, the Republicans are very sympathetic. They're, I think they're a more sympathetic party right now because you even see people like Democrat, Republican voices getting shattered, the whole cancel culture. You know, Steven Crowder, um, I'm mentioning him again, He's he almost got kicked off YouTube again by following their policies. Like if you go in right now and type in Steven Crowder changed my mind, his channel will not come up. YouTube is making it incredibly hard for them to find his channel. Which is when he, but but they're also saying you're not breaking our terms of service, you're not breaking our policy. Now, if you control the media, you control the minds of the masses. YouTube is telling YouTube is pretty much saying we don't want you to be heard because you think differently than our core values. Yeah, and I have sympathy for that, and that itself isn't an issue. That's nothing to do with really the impeachment, but it has to do with why people would think he should be impeached. What do you mean? Because like you have so many people saying, like the media is saying he should be impeached, he should be impeached, he should be impeached without sticking to the real evidence. Like like yeah. what like what you were saying, there's not enough evidence to do it. And I agree with that. There's not enough cold, hard evidence, but there is enough to make inferences in what he's doing. And even if the White House officials say, I think this is what he's going to do or using it for, even that's not enough. Yeah. But the media will push that or fight or say against it. And the media controls the minds of the masses. Yeah, there's for me another thing is just this being the sixth or whatever committee to be formed against him. Like, Nixon had one. One committee. Mm hmm. Because they took it seriously. Like, you can tell how seriously it's being taken when it's just like, I don't like him. What can we do to remove him? Yeah, like, it seems, it seems almost too personal. And I think that's honestly what people are just getting fed up about. And it it makes me angry because then it removes all plausibility of somebody more rational being able to step in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And me and you both agree 
he's not a good president. He's not a good face for this country. He's yeah. a fucking moron who doesn't know what he's doing. But he's not doing anything illegal either. Yeah, but if you're going to allow the legislature to abuse the authority that they have, then what's the point of this whole system? Right. All right, Nash, this is a developing story. We will see as of what happens in the next few months because they want this, they want the proceedings to be done and finished by the end of the year. So if he is impeached, it's going to happen right after Christmas. So Merry Christmas, I guess. Merry have Happy New Year. Yeah, uh, have a quirky Kwanzaa. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the You Mad Bro podcast on Ambiguous Network, on ambiguousproduction.com. Go there, give us a like, share, subscription, tell us what you think in the comments. If you want to be on the show next week, leave a drop, a name in that comments. Um, you're supposed to have someone on today, but they flaked because, of course, they did. Um, we will see what happens next week. Follow us on the Instagram, You Mad Bro Pod, Facebook, You Mad Bro Podcast, and Twitter, You Mad Bro Pod. All good things coming there. Nash, what do you want for Christmas? You know, I don't even know. I have, money, I have money no fucking idea. I have no idea what I want for Christmas. I know my dad's going to ask soon, and I have no idea. I will tell you this. I do want Bill Gates to run for president. That's a conversation for next week. So we'll be back next week as long as you stay angry.